Welcome to the Athletes in the Arts podcast, hosted by Stephen Karaginas and Yasi Ansari. Hi there, this is the Athletes in the Arts podcast, and welcome to our show. Along with Yasi Ansari, I'm Stephen Karaginas, and we are excited to finish off 2023 with a very fun show. We are sponsored by School Health, a national full-service provider of health supplies and services to professionals in educational settings from preschool all the way up to college. Now, for over 60 years, they have been advocates for the health and safety of students, staff, and their communities. So please check them out at schoolhealth.com. Also, if you're new to the show, Athletes in the Arts is a consortium of 17 different sports medicine and performing arts medicine organizations working together to improve the care of artists and athletes everywhere. We have lots of resources and programming going on, so check us out at athletesandthearts.com. So today we wanted to focus on Broadway, specifically the organization known as Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Now, since 1988, they have led the fight against AIDS, becoming the nation's leading industry-based nonprofit AIDS fundraising and grant-making organization. Now, Broadway Cares and Equity Fights AIDS were separate organizations but in 1992, they merged, and since then, their mission has provided essential services for over 50 states, Puerto Rico, and Washington, D.C. But in recent years, they had to pivot, providing support for those fighting COVID-19 and other critical illnesses, and supporting people losing income to the prolonged lockdowns. From health care to meals to emergency financial assistance, the amount of good this organization has done for the performing arts in the U.S. goes beyond dollars and cents. Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS offers hope. So, joining us today is a very special guest, Jack Noseworthy. He's an individual giving officer for Broadway Cares and also a performing artist whose career spans decades on stage and screen. From Cats, A Chorus Line, Sweet Smell of Success, and the original Toronto company of Come From Away on stage, to Encino Man, Alive, the Brady Bunch movie, U571 on film, to CSI, Judging Amy, Law and & Order, and Elvis on TV, Jack has done it all. And now, his production company, True Worthy Productions, is producing a musical based on the movie Real Women Have Curves that just opened at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts in December, and aims to be on Broadway very, very soon. So, Jack, thank you so much for being on our show today. We're really happy to have you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here and, and to chat with uh, you and Yasi. So you have an amazing career. I mean, the, the number of things you have, we have we'll see if we, get, if, if we can get all this into the show at, uh, within one hour here. But first, let's go back to the beginning and talk about how you started off in acting with theater and film. How, where did all that start from? Yeah, so um, I, I started, uh, when I was just a kid, really, I started working, um, well, not really working, but I started uh, doing shows with my church and my high school, and um, and I and it was just something that I always wanted to do, and I went to college, I went to the Boston Conservatory, and I trained in musical theater and dance, and um, and I was, you know, just really driven and really focused, and um, and I I always just wanted to be on Broadway. I really just had a goal to be on Broadway. And so I came to New York and uh, went on my very first professional audition for uh, the Broadway show Cats. And I was cast in the national tour of the show. And then I left that show to then do, I auditioned for Jerome Robbins. And mm -hmm. I was in the original cast of Jerome Robbins Broadway, which was very exciting. That was my first Broadway show. And then I did a chorus line on Broadway. And then many years later, I did uh, A Sweet Smell of Success with John Lithgow. But in between... You know, I went to Hollywood and made a lot of movies. <laughs> so, um, so it really was like, but it really just did start with me wanting to sing and being in church. So you started off in Broadway, but then only a couple of years later, you started not just going to Hollywood, but you were in like Encino Man and you started from there on to like the Brady Bunch movie and then U571, all these different movies and projects. How did that flip so fast from like, you know, this Broadway track to suddenly being in all these movies? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um um I I never really thought about wanting to be in movies or be on television. That really wasn't what I was where I thought my career was. Um but I 
I auditioned for a Broadway show and I didn't get it for Miss Saigon and I didn't get it. And the, the creator of that show, his name was Richard, Mul the, the, one of the writers on the show was Richard Maltby Jr. And he was writing a television series and he said, Hey, I think you should go out and audition for the show. I think you're really right for it. And I, I was like, okay, well, I didn't get this job. And so I, I flew out to California and I was super driven. And I, you know, through a couple of connections, I, I met, met some agents and, and met some folks in the business in this one week I was out there. And um, the show that I was going to do, it, it never got made. Uh, and so I didn't get it, but I did get an agent. And the agent told me to come out to California in January for pilot season. Um, and so I came out for pilot season. And six weeks later, I got a pilot and did a television show for CBS that never aired. So I did 13 episodes of a television series that never aired. Wow. Um, and um, it was created by David Frankel, who directed um, Devil Wears Prada. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the show never aired, but um, while I was doing the show, I then got cast in Alive. And then I went off and made Alive. And then it's kind of like once you start, you know, once you – but you get on people's, you know, people start to know your name and, and you start to work that the flow just starts to happen. And I just looked right. I was the right age. You know, it was a time when when someone like me, you know, a Caucasian young guy was very much in demand. And, and I was a trained actor and I just started auditioning and I just started working and I started getting jobs. And and then I started getting really good jobs and good movies and television and stuff. So, um, so it was great. I mean, it, it really surprised me. I never ever expected to make movies and do TV, and and I loved it. I mean, I still love it. I, I, you know, I still, I wouldn't say that I'm done doing all that, but I'm, but I, I definitely had a really, really solid 13 year run where I just I would do a television series or make a movie or an independent movie, you know, every year. So. Um, were you in your 20s when you started, you know, being involved in television or were you like, was it a lot younger than that? Yeah, no, I think that, no, I was in my 20s. Uh, I was like, it was like 20, 20, 23, 24 is when I first did my first thing. So you had just come out of college, you moved out to Hollywood, you, you know, were, were getting involved in, in different TV shows. So what kind of support did you have there and how did you... I always like to say, how did you make it through? I didn't have any support. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I just, I, I had myself. I mean, I have my family, but they were all back in Massachusetts. Um, but I wasn't, I mean, I had an agent and I, I was just driven. So if you mean by sort of like a support system of family and friends, I, I created friends on the shows I worked on. Uh, I'm still very good friends with the guys I did a live with, the guys I did U571 with. Um, but, you know, you just start going out on auditions and you meet actors, you know, and, and you make friends. And that drive, right? So even though that one show didn't end up airing, like you still had that drive to keep going. I feel like that takes a, a lot of drive to have to like – want to stay in this city, keep going, like try and take all these other rules, maybe audition for something else. And it, it takes, I feel like it takes a certain kind of personality to be able to do that. Well, I think, well, what happens is you, you know, it's such a prolific time when you're young and when you're that young, I mean, in your twenties and thirties, I had a lot of auditions. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of auditions. So, mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I probably, I, I couldn't even get to tell you what I averaged in terms of auditions. And then you're also meeting, like, it's not just the roles that you get, but it's, it's all the roles I didn't get, you know, audition for, think of any movie that was made in that time period. And I'm sure I auditioned for it. Like, <laughs> any movie that, any movie that Mark Wahlberg or Matt Damon or any of them were in school days, like, like, like those, any movie with young guys in it, mm -hmm. I guarantee you, I auditioned for that movie. Mm -hmm. And then I got the ones I got and other people got the ones they got. But what keeps you going is that you, you, you know, when you're, again, it has something to do with like, you're being young, you're young and you're talented and you have craft and you are likable and you show up on time and you work that you just, you, you keep getting auditions and eventually you get parts, you know? And did you feel like you were drawn to certain roles, like when you were auditioning or you really just auditioned for anything? No, I, I mean, at first you're auditioning for anything, but then eventually you start to think, 
you know, I, this is a pass or, or mm -hmm. this isn't right for me, or I really don't understand how to do something with this. What I bring to the table is, you know, I, I don't know my take on this. I don't, I don't think I'm right for this or, mm -hmm. you know, or for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, you, you audition for the things that you really want to do. And then for the, um, you want to work with certain people, you know, you know, I, I, I auditioned for all the major directors that you know. Um, right. I didn't get hired by them all, but I've auditioned for all. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you real quick about, you mentioned Alive, and I watched that movie, I mean, I don't know how many times now, but dozens of times. Um, and so, but the physical aspect of filming that movie, um, how, how demanding was it for you? Like, what kind of acclimation did you have to do to get ready for it? I mean, how rough was it for a film yeah. project because it looks pretty intense. Yeah, it was very demanding. We all, um, it's the only film I've ever shot in my life that shot in sequence. Oh, and wow. so, and the reason why we did that is because we all had to lose weight, right? So yeah. we had to lose weight because the, the survivors were up there for 72 days. We shot for 72 days and then we were up there. They were there for a long period of time before they decided to eat human flesh to survive. Right. And so we contractually, we had to lose weight up for till that scene. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I think being a dancer really prepared me for that, not necessarily losing weight, but the rigorous training that we had to go through, um, in order to look physically right for it. So, um, it was pretty demanding. And I'm also a huge fan of Sweet Smell of Success. I watched that movie a thousand times. So I saw you in the, I never, I haven't had a chance to ever see it on stage. So what was your experience like playing in that amazing show with that amazing dialogue and yeah. John Lithgow? And I mean, that must've been a pretty cool experience for you. Yeah, it's one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. I mean, I created an original show written by John Guare with music and lyrics, with music by Marvin Hamlish, lyrics by Craig Carnelia, directed by Nick Heitner, opposite John Lithgow, Kelly O'Hara, and Brian Darcy James. And 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 um, it truly being part of that company and, um, and having the opportunity to develop that material and, you know, be forever on the cast album and learn and be introduced those songs. Um, it was a really, really, really fantastic experience. It was so creative. Um, and you just, you're just in the, the best hands of the most talented people in our business. Um, and, and so it was a, it was just a terrific experience. It's one of the, the most joyous experiences of my life, actually. I hope they bring it back soon. I'd love to see it on stage. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's funny. The score is just so good. And now that I'm producing, I there's times when I think, geez, maybe I could bring that to Encores. And, and you know, because Encores is a program here, at, is a is a is a organization here that does, that brings back shows that have a great score and they just put them on its city center with a huge orchestra. And it's just people kind of hold their scripts and sing the music. And, and you know, the score is just so good. I, I sometimes wonder if I should you know, try to, to bring that back and put it on stage just because I want people to hear the music. You know, I would not be in it. I would only produce it. So. Well, you have one vote here if that helps you. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about what your process is for preparing for an acting role. When you look back at some of the, the hardest roles you've played or even the most inspiring roles you've played, what did it take to really prepare for that role? Um. I did a production of Equus in Los Angeles uh, when I when I was there, and um, and um, I I you know I learned how to ride a horse for that. Um, even though I didn't ride a horse in the play, you just it's a, yeah. it's a, a person. And then um, so I learned how to ride a horse. I had to speak in a British dialect, so I had to learn the dialect. Um, I, I often think about the physicality of the role and what um, I, I kind of. If, if I feel like if, when I read the material, there's just something about the material that makes me feel like I can access part of myself mm -hmm. that is authentic to what the character is. Um, and there's just something about the, the honesty or the truth of it that, that you can empathize with the character and you feel like you, you don't, you're not judge. You can never judge the character. You're always trying to, you always think you're doing the right thing. And so th that's sort of the, the key. You feel like, oh, there's a part of me in there that knows how to do that. And then so you really just, it just starts to manifest in you and you figure out how, 
how that character physically moves and you know I, I, I because I'm such a physical person I often think that that the internalization of what the character feels like then starts to me think oh how does my body what should my body look like for a character like that and oftentimes it you know I like to be fit so I play with I, I would play with how fit I would be for something um, and then I, I think about where the register of the character's voice would sit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I you know, it, I, it, it's really like a, it starts with an internal approach and something that, that you feel attracted to that the character can do or that the character does or something that the character expresses or feels. And then you just go from there. So how did your process change between film and Broadway stage roles? Because obviously one's like going to be put onto a medium and shown and the other one you're performing every time. Uh, you know, every time a show is, exists, but um, do you have a different process for one versus the other? Um, the initial sort of character development and discovery and research, I always do, if, if it's possible for me to do research, I always do a lot of research. And, you know, if it's a period piece, you want to know about the time period and what was happening in the world. And everything starts to, you start to see the character through the eyes of, you start to see in your daily life, mm-hmm. you start to, see the, the the what's happening in your daily life how the character would react to situations or how they are so um but for stage um because you have to repeat the performance for eight times a week it definitely requires a different mechanism and a different training and a different discipline so again like it, it does come down to my body and my instrument and certainly for stage my voice mm-hmm. and how i take care of my voice how i take care of my body how i take care of my um uh, uh your instrument right it, it, my body is my, my body and my voice is my instrument and so so that understanding how you can attach understanding how you can use your instrument every single night and that you know when you wake people think oh you do a broadway show you only work two hours a night you work all day the entire day is getting you ready for that show because you can't talk during the day oftentimes you're on vocal rest or if you are physical you have to be really careful about you know your physicality and you can't drink coffee if you're singing you you it's like every single thing every single thing you do all day long Hmm. is about how you can for that two and a half hours oh did i just hit my mute oh i thought i hit my mute um everything everything you do all day long is about preparing for that show Mm -hmm. and how you can do that show the best way you can right because your life happens and somehow when your your life happens um um in crazy ways and 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 you have to learn how to utilize that for what you're doing that night and it could be a negative or a positive thing that happens in the daytime but you have to channel it and use it so that you can put you know do what you're doing at night so that takes that takes a lot i mean you know some of the shows are just back to back and plus for some of them did you ever travel like were you touring as well so Yeah, yeah that's a whole nother layer on top of that, right? Like getting enough sleep when you're touring and getting used to time zone changes. How did the that all? That, yeah. The thing I used to love about touring was that, cause I was really dancing then, is that when you stay in a hotel, they had an ice machine and you could, <laughs> I, I used to stick my feet in ice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or my knees in ice. I would just, and it was just so easy to get ice when you're in a hotel. So, so <laughs> it, was, it, was so, it was like, Little I love pleasures. That. <laughs> you're based in you did come from away again another favorite show of mine but that was you're based in toronto though right yeah so um so um i did i opened the toronto company and i did that show for 14 months um and i lived in toronto um the entire time but you know i i had i rented a you know like a the bottom floor of a house and you know, I was really close to the theater and I would ride my bike every day. So, you know, you're, you're we're really living there. My yeah. husband is from Toronto. Well, he's originally from Columbia, but his family lives in Toronto. And so all my, you know, my mother-in-law was there, my sister-in-law, their, their family was there. Pardon me. And then we have um, a lot of great friends that live in Toronto. So it really, I'm super familiar with Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a great city and it's a great theater town. 
So um, yes, I was living there. And then um, it's also like a one hour flight back to New York from Billy Bishop Airport. Mm -hmm. So I could leave the theater on a Sunday. I'd finish my show at 4.15. I'd catch the five o'clock flight. I could be home in my apartment by 7.30 at night in New York City. Um, <laughs> so so I, 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 I would do that occasionally. I would just go home for the weekend, you know, or, or my day off. I'd go home on a Sunday and come back on a Tuesday. So Very cool. But with the touring aspect of performing, too, you've done tours as well. So um, what's the most difficult part of performing a tour? Um, well, again, I was really dancing. Um, the, 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 at that time, um, you know, our deck would be put onto an existing stage. And if the existing stage was cement, and we would put our deck on the stage. And even though we had, a, you know, a, a, you know, it was sort of not really a spring floor, but a right. floor that had support. If the, if the, if the, if, if the, their stage was really built on cement, it was really hard on your body. You know, if you were there for, you know, two weeks or a month and you're dancing on that hard floor, because even though we had our deck still like walking to and from the stage and around our deck you're walking on the cement and right that kind of pounding on your body and dancing that hard on a cement floor that 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 was really hard and moving from city to city you, you know your body had to adjust to that if you're in colorado you know your the elevation is really high so oftentimes they had oxygen on either side of the stage when you were dancing oh, wow um you know and then just i mean i think you would go if you know you would go from city to city and you would walk out your hotel room and you take a ride and you would think, where is that restaurant? I know. And you realize, oh, that was two cities ago. I, I <laughs> just forget, right? Like you're, right. That, that was, that's not, that's not even the right city. I'm in the wrong city, right? Because you just get, you're just touring, you do eight shows a week, you come out, you get your coffee, you go to the theater and then, you know, so, so right. that part, that part's um. But then you get to see these beautiful cities. I've been in every state in the, in the country and, and and um, you get to perform for these audiences that are so grateful to see a Broadway show in their in their hometown, and um, it, you know it can be really exciting. Uh, but I think mostly maintaining your the, the your your facility. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, again, like taking class, right? We would go to cities and you have to take class, right? I I would take class every day, or if I could. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't always have company class, right? So you'd find a dance studio and you would go take class and find a place to take class and just keep yourself in shape. So. And will any of your tours have medical personnel, therapists, trainers with you guys, or is it just no, basically training for not. yourself? No, no. Uh, the no. company manager would often find a physical therapist or a massage therapist for you, but you know, yeah, just, yeah it wasn't really like that. So. What is it like now? Is there more support now for, um, you know, people on Broadway, like, are, is there, is there a whole medical team that's put in place now that, and is this with every show or is it only select shows? Equity versus non-equity non shows or? Yeah, I'm not sure what, well, non-equity, I, I have no idea what they do with a non-equity show, but yeah. I'm not sure what the actual equity rule is. My executive producer could tell me, but I don't know that. Um, and, but I know even for our show now, for Real Women Have Curves, right, that we are the commercial producers on that's being done at the ART. We, the, they have physical therapy every day at the studio. So during lunchtime, the actors can sign up and do physical therapy at lunchtime. And so that's available in rehearsal every single day, right? Again, we're rehearsing in New York City. So, you know, there's always a doctor. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, if, if somebody needs, in fact, we had, um, we had, there was a psychologist today uh, at, at, uh, at the studio because our show has, um, there's a there's a moment in our show that requires the actors to sort of draw upon some traumatic events and so you know they provided a, a psychologist to be with the, with the actors today so they could sort of talk through the traumatic events so that we were making sure that we created a safe space for people to be vulnerable mm -hmm. um so so i i do think that it it's it, there is possibility there is availability for mental health and physical health on shows today We'll be back after this message. Founded in 1957, School Health Corporation has been dedicated to helping school-based health professionals keep their students healthy for athletic performance. 
As a national full-service provider of health supplies and services, School Health's comprehensive offerings include hydration supplies to prevent heat illnesses, sports medicine, recovery and rehabilitation equipment, and school safety infographics for our athletes and the arts community. School Health provides more than just products and resources for performing artists and musicians. They also offer training, advisory services, and exceptional customer care for those supporting performers on school campuses. For more information, please visit www.schoolhealth.com. And now back to the show. So that brings us up to your show you just mentioned, Real Women Have Curves. You've been acting and stage and screen and TV, and now you're producing, and you're producing a musical a musical version of this 2002 hit movie. So for you, how what is the most fun part of you know this process of i mean obviously it's a very challenging process but like what what really inspires you to do this kind of work and bring a movie into a musical form and bring it out to stage um i i think what, the main reason why i wanted to produce is because i felt like i i i i this is i sort of described my career as i i've worked with everyone from jerome robbins to john waters Mm-hmm. And, and everyone in between. And I've had a lot of really marvelous experiences and I really like what I do. I love what I do. Um, and so I felt like I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of creativity. And then I've, I'm, I'm every day learning more and more about the business side of it. And I wanted to be able to utilize that in a way that, that just simply acting doesn't really allow. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to utilize my creativity and identify intellectual property that I could turn into live theater or, or a movie for that matter. I'm not ruling out films or television either. It happens to be theater right now. Um, and so, and then provide work for people and, mm. and give people, give voice to communities that don't necessarily get voice. So for example, with this show, this Mexican American community, which it actually started as a play by Josefina Lopez. And so we, we optioned the play and the film and um, and so the play, the gravitas of the play is that it really introduces the undocumented experience for Mexican Americans, and so um, and and that became really interesting to me, um, for lots of reasons, mostly because it was a disenfranchised community that doesn't necessarily have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then, literally, my husband came to America as an undocumented person and was working on Broadway as an undocumented person. Um, and and we, we that's how we met, doing Jordan Robbins Broadway together. And, and felt this, every time he got called down to the stage manager's office, he thought that INS was going to be taking him in out of the country. He thought the police were going to be there to take him off out of the country. Um, and, and, you know, living in that kind of fear until he eventually, we, he told me and we, we got him a visa. He got spot. Anyway, it was a whole journey, but right. that journey was so specific to him that when I read this play and we formed this company and we've done a couple of other things as well, but I just felt like, wow, this is something we both can really relate to. And I felt like it could sing. And so, um, so it, it, I was just really inspired to be able to create something that I felt was relevant in, in terms of the, the sort of, um, immigration story that's happening in America right now that has continued, um, that will always continue. That's happening around the world with mm-hmm. immigrants coming from trying to go from country to country. And then also, um, it's very joyous, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the protagonist in our show, it's a, it's a funny, it's a comedy, right? And, and yet, um, um, and it just really said to me, it would sing. So, so that, that part of being able to take the creative side of me that understands how to tell stories as an actor, but also this business acumen that I'm I'm very quickly developing, and also use, utilizing my my relationships within the community to help move something forward, and then everything I'm doing at Broadway cares to help people in need. I feel like the worlds are all coming together and pro- and providing you know opportunity for folks, and so so that that's kind of where it started, and we you know and 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 now what's happened is we actually have you know three or four other shows in our in our in our um in our wheelhouse that we've we've uh um, optioned that two are in the developmental stage already we've attached attached writers to them and so it's 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 going really well (laughs) really cool 
So yeah. now, where are you with the show right now? What's the like the stages of development of a show like this from like yeah. where it's at now to eventual like the goal of you know being yeah. on Broadway? Yeah. So what you do is we've um, we optioned the play and the movie, as I said, and mm -hmm. that that's the intellectual property. We then hired this woman, Lisa Loomer, um, who is a, a fabulous playwright to come on board to adapt the play and the movie into a um, into a musical, right? You, you wanna have a true adaptation um, and you take the characters in the story and you adapt it into a musical. Then we hired this one, Joy Huerta, who's a, a seven-time Grammy Award-winning Mexican-American composer, part of this group called Jesse and Joy. And we partnered her with a, 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 a um, a, a Colombian American composer by the name of Ben Velez, who's a musical theater composer. And so between Sergio and these three creators and myself and my partner, we then start developing the material. They start mm -hmm. writing, we start working with them and we work on the material. You then, we then did a table read. We did a 24 hour, a 29 hour reading with a small cast that is just in music stands. We did another table read, another reading. And then we did what's called a four week workshop where you put it on its feet with an equity workshop and you hire the entire cast and you stage it at a workshop. And then from that workshop, we then took that script, did more development, worked on the script. And mm -hmm. then um, we engaged the ART. They agreed to put it onto their pro into their um, season. And then the ART actually produces the show and, and the commercial producers, we enhance the production at the ART financially. Mm -hmm. And so they then basically provide us with this developmental period and we don't have to sell any tickets that we're part of their subscription series. And so their built in audiences, we don't have to do any single ticket business, they call it. Right. So, okay. so we don't have, we're not responsible for selling tickets. It's there. They're responsible for that. So then it becomes this marriage of the developmental production and all of the staff and team at the ART. It's run by Diane Paulus and her team. Right. And we, okay. work very, we work very closely with them and they advise us on, you know, their dramaturgy and their, um, their, um, uh, 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 script analysis and Diane's obviously a very, very accomplished director and she and Sergio have worked together on other projects. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we continue to work and develop the material and put it up on the stage at the ART, which will be the first time it's in front of a paying audience. Um, and then that will be a time for us as the commercial producers to bring in investors, ad additional investors mm -hmm. that then will help us shepherd the, uh, the, the story and the, the piece um, to bring it to Broadway, right? Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Shows never get finished. They just open. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It sounds like an amazing process to go. I mean, a, a very, very, any show that comes out, people are like, oh, brand new show. But this show has been years and hours and months and yeah. weeks and just sweat, blood, sweat and tears to produce it. Yeah. And we're actually on a fast track. I mean, we've really we're really sort of like three and a half years in and some shows can take seven, eight years, you know, wow. um, it's 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 a lot and it takes a lot of drive and determination and um you know, I, 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 I hope that we'll, you know, I hope that fall of 24 is our time, but you know, it, 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 it may need more development. It may need, you know, it's just, you have to like really, really take it seriously. Cause you kind of only get one shot, right? I only know one show that, um, that opened in New York and then went away and developed more and then came back and was actually a hit in New York. And that was next to normal which Sergio choreographed. So, wow. um, um, huh. and then it won the Pulitzer prize for best drama. So, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. But when it first opened, it, it didn't, it was, you know, it was okay, but yeah. it, they, they really, they said, okay, great. So we're not gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna not keep going. We're going to go work on it more. And they did. And then they came back and it was, a, you know, it was a really, it was a phenomenal show and a really big hit. So what do you feel like you've done differently as a producer? than other producers you've worked with? Um, I, I think my, what I, I don't know what I've done differently, mm -hmm. but I think my biggest skill is um, I'm, I listen really well. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm a, a very, very good collaborator. Musical theater certainly is the most collaborative art form because everyone really has to understand what the artistic ambition is and be guiding toward, you know, going towards that. Um, and so you are oftentimes the, you have to be big daddy, you have to be a referee, you have to be, a, um, you know, a stern hand, you have to, you know, you have to, um, you also have to be super creative and understand what you think is right and, and, and make the show that you want to make. Right. And, um, um, it, it's an, it, I, I think the thing that I do the most is that I put myself in situations that are really, really, really scary and that I'm really afraid of and things that I think, I, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I don't know how I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I do it. <laughs> so, um, in terms of doing differently, I'm not sure. Um, uh, but I, I, I definitely think that because I'm an actor and because I've, I've been a successful actor, um, that I, I think that I, I, I earn trust with people pretty quickly. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the on edge all day. <laughs> well, I mean, just the, the story you shared and why, what your inspiration was behind bringing this show, excuse me, this movie to life on Broadway. I mean, you can just tell, you know, where the heart is. Right. And, I'm curious to know, like, from where you started to where you guys are now, does it still have that vision that you initially had when you were? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely an adaptation. You know, we are not, we, you never, we're not, you know, um, we're not putting the, uh, the, the the movie on stage or the play on stage. We've taken it and we've, we've yeah. created it. I think so, yeah. Wow. That's yeah, and awesome. the music is the music is amazing. That's, yeah. that's what I mean. When you're creating a musical, you need to have great music, and we have great music. So that's really exciting. Um, I feel like this show would have a lot of really good food backstage too, <laughs> because of the cultural aspect of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder what the menu looks like. <laughs> Best craft services ever. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. We we don't have craft service on Broadway. It's not like a movie. Oh, really? No, no, yeah, no. It's not like that, you know. Oh boy. Um, I mean, one can dream. I'm like just thinking about what it would look like. <laughs> lots of lots of uh, cheese and lots of rice and beans. <laughs> so, Jack, you we covered all this with uh, acting and on stage and screen and TV and producing, but you actually have a, an actual official day job with Broadway cares. I mean, I don't know how you find time to do all this, but, but Broadway cares is, has, I mean, my first experience of it was going to shows in Detroit, the tour, the Broadway in Detroit tours and having the red bucket nights where we donate money and they have auctions for Broadway um, elements that that are sold or sorry, that are signed and sold. Um, and learning more about how Broadway Cares has been supporting the community, the community of the performing arts for years. Uh, and now you're one of their officers. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Broadway Cares and what the mission of Broadway Cares is. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so I'm an individual giving officer. And so what I do is I have um, a portfolio of our annual donors. And those are folks that, um, you know, they make either a um, once a year or a monthly donation to Broadway Cares um, and and annual donors um, can contribute uh, and be part of our annual giving society for a thousand dollars and up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I manage folks that that do, I also manage the, the young uh, the young professionals group called the Next Gen Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and those donors can donate anywhere between two hundred and fifty dollars a year and up. And so I manage a portfolio of people that either donate uh, by from two hundred fifty dollars to a hundred thousand dollars, and so those folks um, are committed to our organization because I like to think of us as the mutual fund of giving, um, because we serve we we provide uh, grants to four hundred and seventy five social service organizations across the country in Puerto Rico and Washington D.C. in all fifty states, Puerto mm-hmm. Rico and Washington D.C. and then we're the largest funder to the um, to the Entertainment Community Fund. Um, and all of their social service organizations, which helps people in the entertainment industry in their time of need. So what I really do is I, I make, I, um, as a development officer, which is my role in the major gifts department, I, I 
you know, I have relationships with my supporters of Broadway Cares, and you are, um, for our organization, folks either decide to support us because of our connection and the start of our organization about helping people with HIV and AIDS. Um, we've shifted, we've, we've, we've pivoted a little bit over the years. Um, we now help uh, uh, through the Phyllis Newman Women's Health Initiative, uh, through the mm -hmm. Entertainment Community Fund. We help women that are struggling with cancer and a myriad of other, you know, female uh, uh, um, specific issues. Um, and, um, and then when we hit COVID, we then um, started, we pivoted again and um, started raising money for folks that were suffering from COVID or the effects of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, now, as we are 33 years, we've been here for 33 years, and um, all of the organizations that we grant, uh, we, we give grants to, uh, we our vetting process is very good. And so many of the organizations that we provide grants to have been with us for 33 years. And so folks, you know, donate to Broadway Cares and support Broadway Cares because, you know, they know that we are vetting these organizations and we are choosing organizations that are on mission for them as individuals. And they trust that when they make a donation to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, or they support us annually, that their money is going to support and help people in need for these, um, you know, food insecurity, HIV and AIDS, again, female, female uh, uh, health issues. And so um, they just feel good that they know, oh, I support Broadway Cares. I, I would often tell people that when you, during during the pandemic, when you turned on your television set and you saw a parking lot with cars lined up to get a box of food, there's a very, very good chance that that organization was getting a grant from Broadway Cares. Mm -hmm. And you could, t you know, take solace in knowing that, you know, right. when you see a homeless person on the street and they need food, you know, they could go to a shelter and be fed or, or put their head on a pillow because of your support of Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very, very rewarding work to know that, um, that not only are, are we helping people, but we are giving access to people to donate to help people. So my role is really as a conduit for folks that want to help people in need and provide them with the opportunity through our organization to actually do that. This could be support for any any one, right? It's not one population of people, correct? No. Okay. No, not at all. So, so no, not absolutely not, not at all. I mean, any, any anyone can be suffering from food insecurity, or have right. or be HIV, or, or have HIV, or be exposed to HIV, or any myriad of issues that someone might have. So, no, there's not one specific group that we're supporting. And when can, so is it when, I'm just, I'm just curious for like anyone who might be listening, but yeah. when it comes to raising funds through Broadway Cares, when are those opportunities presented to viewers? Is it just online? Is it live after a show? How does this all work? How do people donate? So, so twice a year, we have, um, we have what's called our bucket brigade. Um, and it, we're actually in it right now, uh, in, uh, uh late October through, uh, uh, early December, um, at every theater, when you go to see a Broadway show, there's people standing out there with a red bucket and there's an appeal made from the stage and audience members can drop money into the red buckets. Um, we do that in the spring and the fall. So we have the red bucket follies and the, uh, and the Easter bonnet competition. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then around the country, we're just getting back to the touring companies actually participating in, in the Red, in Red Bucket Brigade. Uh, during COVID, it was very, very challenging because we don't, we couldn't have all, we couldn't have the actors on stage step out into the audience because right. they would be exposed to COVID and we, we couldn't be responsible for a show getting COVID. Yeah. That was not. Yeah. So, um, um, we still now have volunteers and the shows are just bringing people out into the, uh, into the audience now. Uh, it's really a group of volunteers that actually do that. But then we have uh, a number of events uh, a year. We have an event called Broadway Backwards. We have an event called Broadway Bears. Pardon me. And then we have various other one-off events through the year that also raise money for our organization. In addition to if people go to Broadway Cares, 
org and go to donate, you can see that we have the Angel Circle, the Visionary Circle, and the Next Gen Network, and folks can click on to those, uh, to our website, and they can, through our, through online, they can join our annual giving society and become annual donors to Broadway Cares as well. Mm. So. That's awesome. What is uh, Broadway Cares there? You mentioned how it had to pivot several times uh, in the last few years. Um, what is the like target goal, I guess, from a um, from a mission standpoint in the near future here. What is Broadway Care's next uh, obstacle they're trying to tackle? I think that um, I, I think that you know coming back from COVID um, it, it is is people people are exhausted, right? There's 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 just we call it donor fatigue because people have just felt so inspired to give that um that those um those donation amounts that we were getting in covid because it was just so prevalent throughout the world um you know people got people i just people just get tired of 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 being asked to donate money and even though it's marvelous people still do and we, we still do quite well i think i think finding ways to continue to inspire folks to understand that people's problems don't go away. People are still hungry. You know, uh, you know, uh, one statistic we often talk about is that 75% of, of um, new HIV infections are in the black and brown community in the South. Um, and often, often folks that are compromised in terms of their economic uh, status. And so it's it's about creating awareness. It's about creating resources. It's about creating education, so that folk and stigma and, and making stigma go away. So so getting people to understand that the world's problems don't go away. Um, you know, COVID happened, but we still need to continue to support and help organizations like Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, um, and and then the also people are just coming back into the theater and feeling safe into the theater. It's still mm -hmm. taking time. Like, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, building that confidence back and, um, you know, seeing that the red buckets are back in the theater and, and getting folks to understand that, no, 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 we still need to donate. So, so really it, it's, it's, um, it's that, you know, it's creating, continuing to create awareness and getting folks to understand that, um, that we still need their help. <laughs> Um, so you've taken on a ton of roles and something I really want to know is how you keep yourself mentally healthy with producing, even with acting family, there's a lot that you're juggling. So how do you do it all? <laughs> and, you know, do you ever take, do you even take breaks? Like, do you take vacation? How does it work? <laughs> Self-care is 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 um something i'm working on you know well i i you know during the pandemic in december of last year i got my master's degree so i was also going to school to get my master's degree mm -hmm. all while i was doing all this stuff wow. and, and i and i have a child i'm raising a child so so we we have a five and a half year old um and so um I, I'm not sure. I, I often think, God, I really would love to just take a week and like everything go away and, and <laughs> clean the slate. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. And, and I, I definitely need it. But you find that if you have a couple of hours where you feel like everything's settled and you can, you know, I don't know, go have lunch with a friend. Um, I It's definitely something that I need to work on more um, is that kind of self-care and vacation. It's And when I finally get one and I don't see one in the future, um, I'm not quite sure I'm going to know what to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually feel like I really need like a month of where I don't have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will you get actors in your, your shows that you work with that like ask you for advice on that? I mean, is that uh, I mean, is that, are people more open to talking with others about this? Have you seen that in the uh, performing arts world? 
I think when I was when I when I you know when I was really acting when I when that was my my job, um, you spent a lot of time like so you spend a lot of time in between jobs. Mm-hmm. So which I I realized now that I actually really like like you work three months in a movie or whatever you and then you might have three months off. So I actually really got to like that you know, um, and so you you're able to have some self care. But the pressure of when are you going to get your next job is also something that you struggle with. Um, I think I think that 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 actors help each other through those periods um i have a colleague here at work that i'm very good friends with so we kind of you know we have a good good work relationship and a good off work relationship but um yeah i mean i think that they really push mental health and and you know resting and they 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 want you to do that um it's certainly no one's um fault that i have a full-time job as a development officer at Broadway Cares, a full-time job as producing Broadway shows or wanting to produce Broadway shows, <laughs> full-time job as a dad. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, I've kind of taken on those things myself, um, but I often think about those times when I was between jobs when I was acting and I wish I had something to do besides go to the gym. And, and you know, now I've just, I'm sort of making up for that time period. And eventually I think, you know, if real women, if I'm lucky enough to have real women have curves be a hit, you know, maybe I'll, I'll be able to take a, a week off somewhere. <laughs> well, Jack, I hope you get that week very soon. Uh, until then, keep up with the amazing work you're doing and uh, very impressed with you, what you've done so far and your dedication to socially conscious projects and with the and the dedication to the performing arts community. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. And, and thank you, Yassi. I, I really appreciate talking to both of you. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure and, and uh, it's, it's a thrill to sort of think about all these things and, and hope that um, like, like you all and, and the, the work you're doing with uh, athletes and, and helping them have their own physical and mental uh, health in, in good shape, I, I hope that the, the art that I'm, I'm bringing into the world and the work we're doing for Broadway Cares helps people the way, the way you people are helping people. So, so thank you. It certainly has. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Right on. All right. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Talk to you later. And that wraps up another episode. We'd like to thank our sponsor, School Health, again for supporting the show. And if you like what you hear, please click subscribe and leave a review. For Yassi Ansari, I'm Stephen Karaginas. This has been the Athletes and the Arts Podcast. Podcast.